Hello, everyone, and welcome to How to Hold a Pencil. Uh, this is our second episode, and I'm so excited to have with us today Natasha Morishev. And before we get started, I want to thank the more than 500 listeners worldwide who listened to our first episode last week. And I hope that more of you share it with your friends, rate it online, and uh, continue listening because we have some exciting guests coming up. And before we get started with Natasha, I first want to congratulate her on winning the launch hackathon uh, this past weekend, which is the world's largest hackathon. And I hope we get a chance to talk to her about that. And Natasha, for all the people who don't know you, why don't you give yourself a little bit of an introduction? Uh, sure, Ruben. Uh, so I'm Natasha. Hello. <laughs> and uh, I'm currently a full-time uh, iOS developer, uh, and I do build iPhone applications at Manila. I also do a lot of side projects, uh, and previously I was a Ruby and Rails developer uh, for about six months before I switched to iOS, uh, but I'm kind of a self-taught uh, developer and I've gone to a few boot camps uh, to kind of take my career to the next level, including Dev Bootcamp and Mobile Makers. Great. So I, I, I want to start at the beginning and see, like, when did you make the decision to become a developer? Like, what, what was the catalyst that caused you to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down this road and learn Ruby on Rails and then, you know, continue your, your path of learning? Uh, sure. So, um, I guess after I was a psychology major in college and the jobs I've had before were kind of like analyst jobs and uh, I've always been kind of like learning in school because that's what you're supposed to do and I took it for granted but then once I graduated college and I got my first job there was a lot of learning maybe the first year on the job but then after a year I was like okay I kind of I get what I'm doing and there was no real opportunities to move around and if you're good at what you're doing they don't want you to keep learning and move around so it kind of felt weird um and then i got another job and it was kind of a similar situation where i was doing lots of spreadsheets and after a year of doing spreadsheets i'm like hey there's got to be more um so and i moved to san francisco at that point and i was really uh, into the tech community i was uh co-founded a startup with my friends, but uh, I wasn't a developer at that point, and it was very frustrating for me to kind of sit on the sidelines and not being able to actually contribute, (laughs) you know, with the code. I could do other things, but we really needed the code, Um, so I decided to learn to code. That's great. Now, when you were starting out, what, you know, what kind of roadblocks did you hit? You know, what speed bumps along the way that you remember that you wish you would have known beforehand? Uh, Well, I guess I've always been kind of not good at stuff, but like there's usually a formula, right? Like you start something, you learn it, you become better, and and then you become really good. So it's kind of of like a straight, you know, upward curve. You just become better. But with development, um, you start it, and like one day you could be like, I understand everything, and the next day you don't understand anything, and everything is breaking. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, really new and really tough because I'm not like I wasn't really used to it. Because in school, it's kind of like you do these things to get an A, <laughs> uh, and in development, it's like you're never you, like you never know what you're doing basically. And then you, if if you figure it out, you're like on top of the world. But you know, and they always like celebrate because the next thing I do, it's gonna break everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, having that, um, but 
yeah, another thing was just like not uh, knowing my learning style. So the first, I went to this like weekend workshop for learning Ruby on Rails first. And it was basically like built an app web application in one weekend. And uh, like, I mean, I was able to follow their tutorial, but I wasn't able to actually, like I didn't really understand what I was doing. And then I attributed that to me not being smart enough versus to them not teaching it well or like not tailoring it to my level yeah um so actually after that one like i quit for three months because i was like i'm not smart enough to do this <laughs> um well that's interesting how did you f- figure out what your learning style was you know you know some people do learn in a way of like seeing a workshop or whatever it might be mm-hmm. but you know you seem to you seem to think that there's another path and i'm wondering what that is um yeah, I guess trial and error. Try as many resources as possible. So um, about, I basically quit for three months and then I read this article and they mentioned the Stanford uh, CS106A class, which is free online. Um, so I was like, okay, whatever. Like I've heard of it before. I never checked it out. So I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll just like try one lecture, like see, see how it goes. Um, and there wasn't, you know, and then I started watching the video and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I understand like, oh, that's why I like, <laughs> they didn't explain it like that <laughs> in the tutorial, but the teacher for it is like really amazing. And it really, the resource obviously like really connected with me and uh, I've always done pretty well in school. And this was more of the school learning style. Um, so it's just thinking of school basically and like which classes did you do well? So for example, like my friend, um, she, who was at the boot camp with me, like kind of halfway through it, she realized, oh, I was always good in biology because the textbooks had like very nice diagrams and, you know, so yeah. she, you know, so she's more of a, like a visual learner, but you don't really connect them in school. Cause you know, it's kind of like you either did good or bad, but you don't, you know, you kind of attribute it to yourself. Yeah. Um, so it just like thinking back to like situations which classes are you learning from? Like, why is that? Like some people, uh, so me, I need to like have someone explain things to me. So for example, like in college, I could never understand people who wouldn't go to lecture. <laughs> I was like, why would you skip class? Like that's, <laughs> you know, and the, but other people like I have friends who are like, oh, I'm just going to read the book and like know everything. And I don't even need to go to class. And I was just like, always like shocked. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> um, so and now I'm like, oh, that's because, like, that's how they learn. And the lecture doesn't help them. But for me, like, lecture is, like, everything. Yeah. So on your Twitter on your Twitter bio, it says you're learning iOS, uh, you're learning iOS uh, but you also love Ruby on Rails and JavaScript. How did you figure out, you know, the path of what to learn? Um, because, you know, for somebody starting out, they there are so many different things that you can learn. You can learn HTML and CSS. You can learn Ruby. You can learn JavaScript. You can learn iOS. You can learn Python, PHP, you know, so many things. But, you know, you you seem to have led a path that has, you know, led you to iOS, but I wonder how you figured that out. Sure. Um, so, again, it's like back to your learning resources. So um, you have to see what, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I guess the languages themselves are pretty similar. So it's more about like picking the resources that are best, the best work for you. So um, for 
yeah, so the Stanford class I took was actually Java, but you know, I, I didn't care. I was like, I want to learn the foundation and that was the best resources for, for the job. And uh, then after I finished the Java class, um, I was like, okay, I know Ruby on Rails is popular because I was living, uh, you know, I live in San Francisco and that's kind of the hot thing. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing was, you know, iOS. So I was like, I want to learn iOS. So um, I saw that Stanford had an iOS course online and like I did the first lecture and I was like, this is a horrible resource. <laughs> the professor, it was not, um, he's very highly qualified, but he's not a good teacher. Yeah. Uh, and luckily I was able to recognize that right away. But um, yeah, like when you look for iOS resources, it's very hard to find uh, really good ones right now. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try Ruby on Rails. And Ruby on Rails has like a really large community. Um, I found this source called Ruby Learning, and it was kind of fit more with my learning style. So you, it was sort of a flipped classroom where you read things and then you do problems, and then they have someone there to look through your problem and kind of challenge you further and say, like, you know, I'd be happy because I'm like, I got it to work, yay. But then the person would be like, okay, now do it in one line. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. So, um, so that really helped. And then there's the Ruby on Rails tutorial. So, like, the Ruby on Rails community has, and then there's Rails casts, which are, you know, invaluable. So the Ruby on Rails community has, like, so many resources um, that are really geared towards beginners. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so just basically... Which resources can you find that work really well for you, and then just keep going with it? Of course. Now, I wonder. You mentioned a lot of times just now about the Ruby on Rails community, and I'm wondering, you know, for me, whenever I have a question, you know, I have a couple of forums that I go to, and a couple of you know Stack Overflow people and whatnot that I, you know, I go to as resources. I wonder how much how much of value do you see the community in your learning process? Uh, I mean, it's huge. So as a beginner, you're going to be stuck and confused all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, So you have to be able to Google something and the answer needs to come up. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, and Railscasts are like, you know, they're incredible. I can like pretty much anything I'm confused about. There's usually a Railscast about it and I can watch it and it fits. You know, he explains it, he walks you through it. Um, So that's really important. Yeah. Okay, so you, you've built a couple of iOS apps, iOS apps now, um, and I'm wondering if you could tell me about a little bit about your first application, Shop Later, and, mm-hmm. and what you learned from that experience, and you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's saying, I want to build my first iOS app? Um, so I actually, kind of like six months into my job doing Ruby on Rails, um, I... Uh, I was basically, my company was looking for iOS developers, but they were having a hard time finding any. And they came to the Rails team and they said, you know, if anyone wants to learn, let us know. And the other people on my team were more senior, so they're really good at Ruby and Rails, so it's harder to switch. Uh, But I, you know, even in the beginning, I wanted to learn iOS, so um, I started thinking about it and... But then I had this roadblock where I was like, I don't know how to learn it because there's not as many resources. So um, I applied to a boot camp called Mobile Makers and got in. Um, and actually had my company sponsor me to go um, attend for two months. So Shop Later was my final project at Mobile Makers. Um, and I, 
I mean, I learned a lot. <laughs> so, um, a lot of it is just really thinking about the details. So uh, when you start, you have to make apps that are like very, very simple. Just have, so like, I think when we started Shop Later, like the first version, we had like probably like 10 screens <laughs> that we would need to program. We only had two weeks and I was like, okay, why don't we actually have three screens, but make all of them work really well. Um, so, so yeah, start small, like don't, don't start with like, I have this application with like 200 features, just <laughs> start with something small and then you can actually finish it. And then you feel good about yourself because you actually finished something. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then you learn all these lessons. And, uh, you know, as an app becomes more and more complex, it becomes more unmanageable. So if you start small, you can learn to kind of what are those unmanageable parts right away. And then when you build a bigger version, you can already look for those. Great. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, I think it's very interesting how you learned iOS and how you you went to the dev, the, dev, the development boot camp. Is that what you would recommend for somebody who's starting out? Who's like, I want to learn iOS, so I should, you know, I should, you know, take two months or three months or whatever it might be, and go to this full time thing. Or do you, or do you see that there are? I know that's the path you took, but I'm wondering if you believe in other paths of learning and other paths of sort of finding, you know, iOS development. Um, well, I found. So, like, Mobile Makers was actually a lot easier for me because I knew Ruby and Rails. Okay. Um, so, if you have previous experience, development experience, and depending on how much you have and, like, what languages, um, I think you can probably do it. Um, so, the resources that I found helpful was the uh, Big Nerd Ranch. They have the Objective-C guide. Um, so that book was incredible for just learning the basic uh, language behind iOS, which is Objective-C. Um, I started reading their iOS book, but at that point, I went to Mobile Maker, so I didn't. I don't know how good it is. Um, there's a lot of tutorials. Um, I, again, it like, depends on what you're learning. I actually met someone, uh, this girl, uh, and like on Twitter and I went with her for coffee and she's learning iOS and I was like how are you learning and she was like oh, I'm just reading the documentation <laughs> so um, to me that's impressive so it just depends on your again like your learning style for me like if I have a if there's a lots of like really foreign concepts I need to have someone explain them to me first and then I can if I understand the basics I can move on from that um, so iOS definitely has a very high learning curve yeah. because um, there's some like really hard concepts in it. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'm not sure how you would learn it. I mean, if you can learn on your own, but then find someone to work with. Basically, uh, and you can probably hack things together. So uh, part of the reason I go to boot camps is because I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I love learning about best practices and like what's the best way to do things. Um, so boot camps really help me because I can focus on those details and I can ask the instructor, you know, why is it not like this? Why did why is it structured like this? Um, so to me, that's really invaluable. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and the same thing. The reason I went to my first boot camp for Ruby and Rails, so that by the time I um, went to the boot camp, I actually built my first application in Ruby and Rails. But a lot of it, I was just kind of like scared. It was kind of like. It works. I'm never touching it again. <laughs> I don't know how it works. 
you know, I Googled things around, I went on Stack Overflow, I made it somehow work, but I didn't, I wasn't like approaching it in the more like science, like in a way that where I like, I know what this is doing. I know that if I change this, this will happen, you know? So um, I think you can learn it to a point uh, with, you know, kind of on your own and online, but then if you want to kind of take it to the next level and learn about uh, the best practices, you have to either, you know, work with someone else, um, you know, at a job, if you have like on the job training, it's really good, or um, those boot camps are great. So you once wrote about um, on your blog, natashatherobot.com, um, about your hacker schedule, your sleep by nine, and you're up at five, and you know, judging by the time of this interview on the West Coast, <laughs> you seem to still be sticking to it. Um, I want to know how much did that help you in your learning and now in your building process? I mean, that's a crazy schedule to keep all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. I so I, I'm like the I can think best in the mornings. Um, so like f- five to eight, I'm basically working or learning on my own, and um, that's really helpful because. The first thing is it like sets a structure to your day, um, and I like having that three-hour kind of uh, deadline because I actually found that when I work on the weekends, I'm like way worse. I think I get like way less done because on the weekends it's kind of like oh I'm gonna go grab a snack, I'm gonna whatever it's the weekend, I'm gonna like go watch TV or like go out with the like for brunch. So um, like if you do like. Three hours a day in the morning is just like really helpful for me because I know I only have these hours for myself to learn to like build something, and um, you know it's very like uninterrupted. I know there's nothing else I can I can be doing, um, so you know that that's been like very instrumental. Well, that's great. And uh, so you also wrote about once that in in order to learn to code, you need to be a cockroach, uh, mm-hmm. meaning you need to be persistent. But how do you stay motivated? You know, it's it's something that people I think are have a problem with all the time. In that, you know, they want to work on this project or they want to do this thing, but you know, they have that motivation on day one. But by day two or day three, the motivation starts to wear thin. And I'm wondering how you've stayed motivated. You know, learning all that you've learned. Uh, yeah. So uh, kind of goes back to the five a.m. question, but it's creating a habit. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I'm a psychology major, so that's kind of, uh, my thing. But yeah, you know, I uh, I've trained myself. Like I wake up, I don't have an alarm. Like I wake up at five, and then between five and eight, I have nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's kind of a habit. Like I wake up and I have to code, and if I I don't, I'm like depressed because I'm like, oh, what am I doing with my life? But. <laughs> um, yeah, so it just kind of knowing what your end goal is sometimes or just uh, loving to learn. Um, so, like, I've been learning auto layout for the past week and a half, and it's been really painful, and I wanted to give up. But <laughs> it's kind of like taking a step back and just keep doing it and, like, loving it almost, loving the pain. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you either... I mean, I found that people who really want to do it, just do it. Like, if you're actually not doing it, like, is there another reason? Like, do you actually, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, what, yeah. what advice to give? All right. 
Now, I'm also wondering, what is the, uh, what's the favorite thing that you've built on the web so far, whether it's a website or an app or something you've done for work? You know, what, what's the favorite thing that you, say, that you look at and you say, wow, I can't believe that I've done this uh, or that I can't believe that I have the skills to do this already? Uh, sure. So, uh, actually, the site is not up, but <laughs> I wrote a book on learning to code and kind of taking all my lessons uh, through my experience. And um, I, I didn't really want to sell it at Amazon at the time because I have a blog site, my own distribution channel. Yeah. Um, and so I was using the site called Gumroad um, to sell my book, but they didn't have any comments or reviews. And I don't like kind of going to people who bought my book and being like, can you give a comment? Cause it feels weird. Yeah. Of course. Um, so I basically built a, a Gumroad competitor and it's uh, a way to sell pretty much like anything that you can upload, uh, online and, um, yeah. And then people can leave comments or, or reviews, um, so that took me probably like three or four months. Uh-huh. And it was really fun, but uh, it's not up anymore. <laughs> and uh, did you, what, you know, what was your one takeaway from building that project? Uh, it's hard to build things. <laughs> so uh, one thing, I think like when the web first came out, like, and there was a lot of successes, it was because uh, people can just... Uh, it didn't have to look nice. It didn't have, like, I guess the consumer expectations, right? So, um, like, people aren't going to stick around your site if it doesn't look right or if you're, like, missing things or if it's not fit and finished. Um, and that's really hard to do. I guess at the same time, it's easier to build things. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it took me uh, probably, yeah, like, three months. I thought it would take me a little less. But a lot of it is just... Uh, a lot of it is actually business logic. Mm -hmm. So you have to, that's almost like the hardest to think about. And in that, so for example, uh, for my, you know, book selling or whatever selling platform, I had to make decisions like, oh, should there be a review system? Yeah, I want reviews. But then I was like, oh, but what if people want to leave comments? So, you know, comments should be separate from reviews. And then with reviews, um, should people be able to leave only one review? Oh, okay, they should. Uh, should they be able to edit their review? Should they be able to delete it? Um, you know, how do you know that they're logged in? So kind of thinking of all these details is almost like the hardest, harder than building it because you have to, like, think of all these, like, user experience aspects. Of course. Um, so I'm also wondering what... There's a lot of websites out there, and there's a lot of consumer products out there, and you're very good at what you do. If there was one product uh, or website, you could say, I'm going to redesign this because it's terrible or because I can do it better. What would that product be? Um, oh, the one I did, I guess. <laughs> True. <laughs> Comes to mind. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I mean, I've learned to kind of take it easy on other websites because um, it's just like after, like, once you become a developer, it's harder to criticize. Of course. Because <laughs> you're like, they spent, like, all their time, like, doing this. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I can't. Yeah, the one I did, basically. 
So you said you started you started learning to develop, you know, learning to be a developer a few years ago at this point, correct? Uh, yes, about uh, two years ago. Two years ago. So if you if you could sit down with yourself two years ago um, and give yourself one piece of advice, um, what would it be? Um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, just figure out your learning style. It's not, it's not you when you fail, like don't take it personally. Don't feel like you're stupid. If you don't understand, try different resources, try reaching out to people. Um, yeah, I mean, the main thing is that it's not, it's not you, like don't take it personally when you're, you don't understand something. Of course. Um. And so you won this hackathon this weekend. Um, and I uh, re- so I want to correct. It's actually an API prize. Oh. I win the whole hackathon was oh. just one of the prizes. Oh, my apologies. So you won one of the prizes. Um, can you tell us – I read your blog post a little bit, and I'll definitely link to it in the show notes. But can you tell us, tell us a little bit about what you did and, you know, how that experience was for you? Uh, sure. So uh, I had one other team, team member, Nick – and uh, we decided to build a and basically like a event check-in uh, process for event organizers. Um, so um, I wanted to use iBeacons, which is kind of like a, you can think of it as an indoor GPS almost, and it's used uh, with Bluetooth on your phone. Uh, and it's kind of like a very new thing with iOS seven, uh, and uh, I've all, I've been kind of thinking about it for for the past uh, few weeks. So uh, when we came up with the event registration idea, I was like, okay, I want to build the iBeacon thing. Um, and it was really cool. So basically how it worked is I built an app uh, for the, so theoretically each event attendee will have an app for the event, right? So I built a very basically a, an app that attendee will download and it will actually make you into an iBeacon. So you will uh, emit this like, Bluetooth signals um, indoors. Oh. And uh, our, the event organizer's iPad will be listening for your signals. So when you get near the iPad, um, your name will jump to the top. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, as somebody, yeah, as somebody who has organized and worked at events, checking people in, yeah, I would love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have to search and like you're like ask for name. It, the person jumps to the top, you can see their image, and now you don't really have to ask for ID because theoretically the event attendee's uh, phone will probably have some kind of authentication login uh, information, uh, and then my. Uh, team member, like co-founder, he, um, he was, he wanted to play with printers. He wanted to print the badge right there. Yeah. So he actually went to like Office Depot and got a printer and (laughs) we were able to kind of hook it up to the iPad with AirPrint. So it's a wireless printer. So now when you check someone else, uh, someone in, uh, you can print their badge right away. Very cool. So that was kind of another one. So our app ended up kind of being very simple, just pretty much like one screen. But it was really fun to do that, like, hard back-end functionality that's with the newest technology. For sure. 
Now, I just, since we're talking about your hackathon experience, I wonder, have you been to a lot of hackathons? Like, do you think that for somebody learning, there's value of going and attending and being a part of a team and, you know, working with them, even if your skills aren't necessarily, you know, at its best? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I have mixed feelings about hackathons. So I've gone to pretty much one before. So uh, one thing about hackathons is they're not, like, sustainable. Uh-huh. So this hackathon was 48 hours, but I, I mean, I got eight hours of sleep each night because <laughs> I'm not willing to kind of not sleep because it messes up my whole schedule for of the course. week. Of um, course. But uh, and I like how it gives you a timeline and kind of like a pressured situation to get something out. Like it kind of, it feels good, but then at the same time, you're not... Uh, writing the best code like a lot i think from my first uh, hackathon that i did i was with my friend who actually won like a facebook hackathon a few like a, a few years ago so she was like really good at hackathons and it just felt like a lot of it was more for the presentation show aspect versus like actually caring and building the product so for our first hackathon she was, she was more like, okay, we have to make it look nice, and you have, kind of have to fake the data, so when you present to the judges, it looks really cool, or, or like it works, so it's not, it's almost like you're putting on a show. Got it. <laughs> Versus, and, and you're pressured, and your code isn't great, and you're making concessions. Um, so, yeah, again, like it probably depends. It's sort of fun. Uh, you, you know, you can win stuff, and I for this hackathon, it was like a good excuse to uh, play with the iBeacon, so I learned a lot. Um, I didn't even know if that was possible before, like when I started, because <laughs> I was like, I don't even understand what iBeacons are. So hopefully it's, it works and I can make it work. So that was kind of cool. Um, Very. Yeah, so it probably depends. Okay, um, so the last question of the, of the show is, is where can the listeners find you on the internet? You know, website, Twitter, etc. Uh, sure. So uh, my Twitter alias is Natasha the Robot, and that's my website also, NatashaTheRobot.com. Great. So Natasha, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and we will put a ton of the links that you talked about in the show notes. Those can be found at www.howtoholdapencil.com. Uh, please subscribe to the show either in your favorite podcast app or on iTunes and rate and review the show because that helps us get more listeners and get to the top. Thanks so much, Natasha, and I really appreciate you. you being here. Have a great day. You too.